section sixty six of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter thirty two o jove why hast thou given us certain proof to know adulterate gold but stamped no mark where it is needed most on man's base metal euripides lindsay passed the intervening time in a state of feverish excitement very foreign to his natural equanimity of mind that he loved gertrude he could no longer conceal from himself but his love was not of that violent yet contracted nature which had sought merely to engross and appropriate her affections exclusively to himself he had proposed a nobler aim a purer gratification as his love was without idolatry so was it free from selfishness he had not sought to undermine her affections he had aimed at elevating and ennobling them by extending their sphere beyond the narrow perishable limits of human attachment and he had hoped that a mind so pure so lofty so generous as hers might yet become enamoured of virtue might yet be saved from uniting itself with a nature so unworthy of its love and now was the test on this interview her fate seemed suspended her emotion at sight of colonel delmore had indeed evinced the power he still retained over her but that power might be urged too far though gertrude was soft and feminine in her feelings yet her spirit was high and ever ready to rise against violence and injustice and thus the tie which a tenderer hand could not have unloosed might by his own impetuosity be broken such were the hopes and fears that alternately rushed over lindsay's heart as he waited in an agony of impatience the result of the conference his eyes fixed immovably upon the door which led to the adjoining apartment their usually soft benign expression had given way to dark and troubled melancholy and lady betty's question fell unheeded on his ear at length the door opened and the first glance sufficed to show lindsay that his doom and hers were sealed gertrude's eyes were still moist with tears tis true but there was a smile on her lip a flush of joy on her cheek a lightness in her step an aerial grace diffused over her whole face and figure that told a tale of reconciled love and seemed as though happiness itself were embodied in a mortal form all had been explained and explanations were received as proofs of holy writ for what imperfect evidence suffices where the heart is willing to believe colonel delmore told a tale of suffering he told of the agonizing alternative that had been offered to him to make her his and in doing so to make her at the same time an outcast from the home of her fathers to reduce her to poverty and want he told her of the struggles of his mind of the menacing fears the half-formed resolutions the desperate thoughts which had harassed his fancy and destroyed his peace by day the horrid dreams the agonizing forms which had haunted his couch by night till at length nature sunk under the conflict and a violent fever ensued no sooner was he sufficiently recovered to encounter the voyage than unable longer to endure this state of suspense and yet still more unable to come to any decision until he had seen her he formed the resolution of returning to britain be the consequences what they might of sounding the depths of her affection 
and of receiving his sentence from her own lips the voyage proved tedious and hazardous and on landing he proceeded direct to london he had there heard for the first time of the death of lord rossville and his brother at the same time made known to him his rejection by the countess and the fact that her marriage with edward lindsay was a settled point and was to take place as soon as propriety admitted almost maddened at this intelligence he had thrown himself into a post-chaise and travelled night and day till he had arrived there when his worst fears were confirmed by the answer he received to his inquiry for her as well as from the footing she appeared to be upon with lindsay this was colonel delmore's way of telling his own story and it was correct in everything save the motives what's done we fairly may compute but who can trace actions to their source who can fathom the depths of the human heart or discern those secret springs which although they send forth waters alike pure to the eye are yet as the issues of life and death colonel delmore had told a tale which in every circumstance was true and yet the colouring was false he had ascribed to disinterested affection what in reality proceeded from self-interest for although he assuredly did love it was love compounded of such base materials as adversity like the touch of ethereal spear would soon have shivered to atoms but she saw nothing of all this and she gave her tears her faith her love to him whom she thought more than worthy of them all his looks too seemed to confirm his words for he looked thin and pale and harassed but as the cloud cleared away from his brow and the traces of passion which had disfigured his fine features disappeared that gave him an interest in her eyes which more than atoned for the want of more dazzling attributes on her part gertrude could also have told much but tis woman's part to suffer man's privilege to speak on those occasions and while colonel delmore poured forth the history of his feelings and all the eloquence of excitement it was plain to see that he touched an answering chord in her heart and that she too had endured all that he expressed but now that the storm was past the sunshine of the soul was theirs only varied according to the different natures from which it emanated and as lindsay beheld the april-like joy that beamed in gertrude's face and met the haughty exultant glance of delmore he for a moment closed his eyes as though he could also have closed his heart against the conviction that gertrude was lost to him lost to the higher happier destiny that he had fondly traced out for her what's taking you away in such a hurry frederick asked lady betty laying down her book and her spectacles on their entrance i only came in haste and have no intention of returning the same way answered he with a smile of meaning to the countess then ringing the bell he gave orders to discharge his carriage where did you come from to-day was lady betty's second interrogatory that i really cannot tell having travelled day and night since i landed at falmouth their boundaries are not very accurately defined in my mind or my mind's eye either what was the need of that demanded her ladyship had you heard of your good uncle's death in london where i only stopped half an hour did you see your brother did he tell you that he had given up the election did your mother and sisters tell you that i did he did they did let us have done and what was the nonsense of your posting down then to put a stop to absurd pretensions answered colonel delmore with a sort of insolent nonchalance as he looked at mr lindsay but do you think you'll succeed colonel delmore smiled a smile of haughty disdain lady rossville coloured and lindsay looking steadily at him said calmly i have heard of no absurd pretensions none who had not at least an equal right to try their merits if they had thought proper ere colonel delmore could utter the scornful retort which had risen to his lips the door opened and uncle adam walked in with his antique peruke and blue boot hose 
for he had now got so tame that he had learnt to walk the house at all hours of the day he was not aware of the arrival of a stranger otherwise he would certainly have skulked till the last moment if indeed he would not actually have fled the country to his own city of refuge in barnford colonel delmore surveyed him for a moment from head to foot with unfeigned astonishment when lady rossville introduced him as her uncle mr ramsay he then quickly recovering himself saluted him with a bow twice repeated so condescendingly profound and with such an air of high breeding as formed a ludicrous contrast to uncle adam's awkward repulsive gait and dry uncouth manner the latter possessed too much tact not to feel what was implied and that such lofty courtesy only betokened one proud enough to be humble and a new stock of wrath began to ferment within him that on hand having previously been disposed of at the expense of dame lowry's dead clothes for the first time lady rossville blushed for her relation but ashamed to show that she was ashamed she hastened to make some remark to him on the scene they had witnessed in the cottage then as if afraid to hear him answer she went on but i must tell the story and my cousin lindsay will help me in my scotch and with her musical voice and refined accent she attempted to take off the barbarous dialect of the cotters but when she came to the denouement uncle adam burst out with the impudent thief she deserved to hay been sent the same gate as her duds colonel delmore absolutely stared and that was a great deal for a man like colonel delmore to do lady rossville covered with confusion tried to laugh but the thought that colonel delmore was shocked with her uncle made it rather a difficult matter luckily at that moment her servant entered to say that mrs st clair had returned from her airing and begged to see her ladyship immediately the countess rose to obey the summons colonel delmore attended her to the door pressed her hand whispered some soft nothing in her ear to which she replied with a blush and a smile then calling his servant said he should go to dress while she repaired to her mother's apartment End of section sixty six